Joining us now on KMOJ is the Chief of Police for Minneapolis, Chief Brian O'Hara. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Freddie. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. Last week, the city announced that uh, you have really, you've given out uh, some financial, I don't if I don't know how to quite term it, I don't know if it's awards or compensation to two families who have suffered at the hands of Minneapolis police. Uh, how do you reconcile some of the bad actors who are still on the police department's force, and how do you reconcile that with the consent decree going forward? What would be the next steps? Yeah, well, thank you, Freddie. Well, first off, um, it's just terrible that we're still dealing with stuff that happened. I mean, both of these incidents of abuse were uh, nearly six years ago. Um, and, and so, first off, you know, we apologize to the, the family members and, and to the persons affected in, the, in these cases. And I think it's just frustrating kind of for everyone involved that we keep having to look backwards and deal with stuff in the past. Uh, these settlements are what the city agreed to. Of course, these victims, the persons affected, deserve to be entitled uh, or deserve to be compensated, um, you know, for everything that they have gone through, of course. Um, but we're, we're really trying to, you know, we've had hundreds of police officers leave the department over the last three years. We just signed the settlement agreement. We've done uh, a number of things to try and start to rebuild the agency, put processes in place to prevent things like this from happening uh, in the first place and to ensure that there's accountability. And I think, um, I think a lot of people are looking to hopefully just try and leave things in the past now and try and move forward. Everyone, we're talking with Minneapolis Police Chief Brian O'Hara on the heels of a huge settlement nearly six years, as he mentioned, after they occurred, uh, both involving a police uh, officer, former police officer Derek Chauvin. Now, how do you reconcile this with you're trying to recruit new officers, it's difficult yep. to, at best, and then you're trying to, I'm thinking that you're trying to rid the department of those bad actors. Yep. How do you put those two together? Well, it's just not the police department we're going to be. I absolutely will have zero tolerance for anything close to being Whether it's someone who acts like that former officer, and I don't say his name. We all know who I'm talking about. Whether it's somebody who acts like him, or it's anyone on the department that will allow something like that to happen, and not one step in and say, hey man, stop it, like in the moment when something is happening, if somebody loses their temper or is doing something they're not supposed to, these cops are supposed to actually look out for each other and say, hey man, stop it, stop doing that, and then deal with it after the fact and say, hey look, though, like whether it's a supervisor or whether it's other street cops, be like, yo man, we don't do that here. Like that's the culture in the department that we need to have going forward. And I feel confident that with the settlement agreement, We'll be able to put things thoroughly in place. The city's going to have to make some investments in this, but we will be able to thoroughly put things in place to ensure that there are processes to identify cops like that before they get to such an extreme case. And also to build a culture in, in the agency where we're attracting people and training people and bringing them into a place that says that that's not what we do here. What are you hearing from the rank and file? I know it's only it's not even been a week, but what are you hearing from the rank and file uh, following these two cases that have been settled? I mean, I think by and large, both with the settlement agreement, because uh, I was concerned about that when we announced that, because I've been through that before in Newark with a federal consent decree. I was concerned with that announcement and also with this one. But by and large, you know, the, the majority of cops here are both first with the settlement agreement. They're like, this is no big deal because, you know, we're, we're not doing stuff wrong in the first place, which was positive. That was their attitude about it. 
and then hearing about this, they're all done. Like, you know, a, a number of cops here, even, you know, right after George Floyd was murdered, signed a public letter condemning the officer who killed him. Um, so I know everyone here has been through so much. There's been so much frustration around all of this. These these cops are looking for direction. I think they're looking for leadership, and I think they're looking for for some clear uh, policy guidance and support to to try and bring the department forward. What are you hearing from the community leaders following the settlement, sir? I know there's still there remains a, a, a open wounds in community. There remains a lot of outrage. I mean, a lot of people I have heard from have said, "Yeah, we knew this stuff was going on." You know, they, they, people here have felt and have known, whether it's through firsthand experience or, or vicariously, you know, that uh, the murder of George Floyd was not an anomaly, that there were other things that happened here uh, that were unjust, uh, and that, yeah, I mean, we haven't fully atoned for it. And we haven't, I think this is, this is kind of, you know, coming forward and trying to, you know, acknowledge this stuff and say, yeah, this wasn't just... This wasn't just about that one bad cop. It's about the whole system that allowed that cop and that behavior to exist. I think acknowledging that is the first step in a down payment and trying to build trust in some places where we haven't had it at all in the first place. You said in a statement that we are called to protect with courage and to serve with compassion. Uh, can you can you put a face on that? What does that look like in Minneapolis now? You've had the experience you just mentioned in Newark. What does that look like? What does courage and compassion look like in the Twin Cities? I think the reality is here, by and large, every day, you know, our cops are going into very dangerous, you know, situations every day. Uh, and I think the reality is, hey, look, and it's not just in cities. It's all around the region. Over the last week, Five police officers within driving distance of Minneapolis have been shot. Three have been killed. Um, the reality is, you know, when people call the police, we show up not when things are at their best, but when things are really bad. And our cops do, uh, by and large, you know, the vast majority of the time, they put their lives on the line, they do the right thing. And I think it's important um, that we acknowledge, you know, the difficulties of that. It's just simply that we have to ensure that all people in our city, in all communities, are getting the good policing that they deserve. And that means that all the time we are policing in a way that reflects community values and delivers the high level of service that our people deserve. A last question, just uh, with crime in general. We, we, we see the media, we see it on Facebook, everywhere, about how criminals are stepping up engagements with uh, the smash-and-grab robberies, uh, crime against persons. And it seems as if uh, the level of crime has changed. However, do you see the, the way that we are policing or the department polices and protects its citizens? Is it keeping up with what the criminals are doing today? Well, f- first off, uh, we have had a dramatic decrease over the last few months here in, in the level of violent crime. And that's very real. Year to date, there have been 43 fewer people shot in Minneapolis. That's 43 fewer families affected by a shooting victim, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, carjackings are cut almost in half. You know, uh, assaults and robberies are down by a third. So there, there are, despite having the lowest number of cops in, in decades in this city, they are performing incredibly well to try and protect and, and serve and, and defend people's lives. The reality is today we're dealing with... Uh, a different problem, particularly with juveniles getting involved in, in, in joyriding and stolen cars and just a lack of accountability when that happens. And it's happening 
at such a high volume every day that we're getting kids over and over and over again that are not being held accountable for their actions when they're out here riding around joyriding in these stolen cars and they wind up becoming involved in more and more serious crime or wind up almost killing themselves which is something that happened over this weekend we had a 15 year old girl that we know at least 10 times this year has been out joyriding in stolen cars and she was still allowed to be outside doing the same thing early Saturday morning, nearly lost her life in a stolen car accident. And it, there's, there's just a dozen stories like that I could tell you off the top of my head, in addition to, you know, kids younger and younger, not just teens, but even preteens, mm-hmm. um, the lack of accountability over this stuff, either almost losing their lives or wind up being out here without, with, uh, you know, some older kids that are out here running around with guns. So I think that's the area where we are really failing as a society, as a criminal justice system, we are failing our kids these days. And that's a problem we need the rest of the system to help us get a handle on. Otherwise, otherwise we're going to have even more serious crime problems down the road. It sounds like you're saying it takes all of us. What do you say to families Absolutely. and to your department as we really, Chief, we are going into the summertime. We are going into spring, despite what we see. <laughs> what do you say to our families, your department, uh, as we go into the spring and summertime of the year? Well, the Minneapolis police are prepared, um, and we have been, you know, working very closely, very collaboratively, not just with uh, a lot of community-based organizations that are incredibly helpful for us, you know, to try and deal with stuff in the neighborhoods, but we also uh, are very heavily collaborating with federal law enforcement on some long-term, long-term stuff that will help us deal with uh you know, the typical spikes in crime over the summer, as well as getting a lot of help from our state BCA, our state troopers. And I, I can't say enough about our county sheriff, uh, Dewana Witt, and her team. Uh, we're, all, we're all in this together. We're all trying to focus on that, that less than 1% that's out here causing the most harm. And we're going to try and get as much, as many of those, many of those people that are out here pulling triggers, get them off the street before the summer even happens. So, I mean, we have uh, we have we have plans in place uh, to deal with that, and I think uh, and I know the community will see uh, some very obvious law enforcement actions before we even get to the summer um, that will help us help us deal with that typical seasonal spike in crime. Do you see Operation Endeavor uh, going away before the summer is over? No, I mean that's just uh, that's a part of kind of everything that we do. It's institutionalized. It's Part of the larger practices of, of ensuring that everything that we do is collaborative, that we're focused on, uh, you know, not just what's evidence-based and what's work being precise as possible, as I mentioned, but also ensuring that we're having a strong, just a visible presence, because a lot of this stuff that we're dealing with, um, you know, just a lot of it deals with perception of crime as well. So we have to make sure our officers are present and visible to help people feel uh, a little bit of safety, be able to go about and enjoy themselves in the community this summer. He's Minneapolis Police Chief Brian O'Hara. Thank you for getting up early with us this morning and sharing your ideas and uh, reflecting on the settlement that took place last week. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Freddie. It's great to actually have a conversation instead of just listening to you on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me. Anytime, sir. Thank you so much. Uh,